Greetings everyone and welcome to the 130th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach and I'm joined by Disney's number one hater, Jaden. Hello. And we've also got PTA's number one fanboy, aka John Cena, aka Fitzy, aka Liam. Hello. Holy shit, you came in hot there. <laughs> At least for me. Oh, so, uh, oh, it's loud, wasn't it? Sorry, I'm so yeah, excited yeah. to talk about No, are you a bit louder than usual though, Zach? Am I? I don't know. Just felt very. I feel like he is. I turned. I turned him down a bit. Yeah. Oh, he's had to turn me down. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Shit. Well, what were you so, so excited about here, Liam? I'd talk about Ocean's Eight. Sorry to spoil yeah. the movie, but that it's in the title, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, everyone knows, and everyone knew last week as well. We got a lot of hardcore listeners out there, you know. So, mm. uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. I, I've started to become a bit self-conscious when I re-listen. That I feel like I slur we review. I, I feel like I say the podcast where we review, like I don't really say it properly. The podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday, just for those who don't understand my messed up, you know. You're, you're like you've got 129 of them, you know. You, you're, you're allowed to slur it at this point. Yeah, no, that's, oh, I, I appreciate you saying that, but I know it's bothered me a little bit. I'll just, yeah, anyway, just had, to, had to completely derail the show for that. Anyway, this week we're reviewing. Ocean's 8, which opened in the US on the uh, 7th of June, 2018. It was directed by Gary Ross. It's a crime heist film. And the synopsis says, Debbie Ocean gathers an all-female crew to attempt an impossible heist and New York City's yearly Met Gala. I really wanted to say it right because they made a point of that in the movie as well. It's not Gala. Please tell me you've never said Gala before that. I don't think so. I think I would have actually just completely never thought about it, would have just said Gala. But the movie made me like have an itch of doubt in my mind, you know? I'm like, oh, is it, you know? Just, it, it, it implanted in my subconscious the idea that you, people get it wrong, you know? So I didn't want to get it wrong. It's weird. Anyway. All right. Ocean's 8. I'll start with Jaden. Jaden. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'll start with Jaden. That's fine. <laughs> what do you think? Of Ocean's Eight, our final film in this journey of a franchise, right here. It was okay, but it was far more forgettable than the rest of it because it lacked that kind of charm that the first three had. Well, I think it was mildly engaging at the time because it didn't have like the style, the comedy, or like the cast to pull it over. I think it's largely going to sink into the recesses of my mind. Um, I don't know, no standard on the main cast, really. I'm not a Sandra Bullock oh, fan, okay. to be honest. I don't, like, like, mm. like in in the past weeks when we've been complaining about um, other woman, what's her face, Julia Roberts. Like, yeah. to me, Julia Roberts and Sandra Bullock are like one and the same. <laughs> Spitting facts over here. Yeah, I don't know. I, I um, I thought the movie was. I actually thought it was decent. I must admit, like in the first half, I was like, "This is good." Like, I. I don't know what I was thinking the first time. You know, I was kind of, I was enjoying it. I thought, oh, this is good. Um, and then, I don't know, I, I definitely enjoyed it less in the second half as, as it went on. It, it really lost me, I think, as we got into that. It's weird. Like, I, I feel like, we can get into this more, but I feel like this was probably my favourite, like, first act in any of the Oceans films. And I thought it assembled the team the best at, of the four. But then once we got into the actual meat of it, it sort of – there wasn't a lot there to that, that was sticking out. I totally agree with that. And in terms of the main cast, like, I mean, I have to commend the, I have to commend the film. Like, they 
you know, the Oceans franchise is known for getting, having its absolutely stacked casts and they delivered on that. Like the cast is stacked and they're all good. Like I don't think there's anyone who's letting the, the team down and I enjoyed them all. But I agree. There was no one that was like, there was no, there was no line. There was no Matt Damon that was like a standout, mm. like hilarious. There was no like, um, there's even no, there's Brad no Pitt. Dusty. Rusty, Rusty, the, Rusty, Rusty. <laughs> There was no rusty Danny back and forth that was, like, really engaging. Like, obviously, Sandra Bullock and uh, Kate Blanchett are sort of meant to fill those character archetypes. Um, and, 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 like, it's all good. That's what I'm saying. Like, they're all they're all good in the film and I enjoyed watching them, but they're not, like, yeah, they, their camaraderie isn't next level or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. That, that was a well, right Sexual thing, tension's kind of mad, though. The sexual tension between the those two, you reckon? Yeah. Hmm. I must admit, at one point I did think, wait, am I forgetting the part where they hook up at the end? Like, I, I did sort of think that at one point, but yeah. Um, Fitzy, what did you think of Ocean's Eight? Um, well, as I said earlier, I'm very excited to talk about this film because this is my new favourite movie, Ocean's Eight. Better than Barry Lyndon. No, seriously. Wait, what? What's no, happening? I'm, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> You can't do it, this. it was uh that was pretty good actually. I was actually pretty engaged by um the crime aspect of it. I think the humor was a little was very miss usually. Um but sometimes mm. it was actually funny and I was surprised how um I was actually kind of engaged in you know, the usual like exposition of how they do the crime and how they're gonna do the crime and stuff and I agree. Yeah, I think the exposition is actually really good. Like, teaming up, as you said, was actually, like, entertaining for some reason. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. I feel like the way this one assembled the team was, I know, it's sort of what I've been looking for. Like, I feel like everyone clearly has a role. It didn't feel like a jumbled mess of them coming together in terms of, like, I don't know who's doing what and why they're here. Like, it was all very clear to me in terms of what everyone's role was. And they all sort of had standout moments as they were being recruited and it still moved quickly. Like it was, it was nice. Like I sort of, the Indian chick, she had a family and situation. Then you move on to the, to Aquafina, and then you move on to, like everyone sort of clearly stood out as to where they were and where they come from. And um, they weren't like just blurring together as generic white dudes or anything like that. So that helped as well. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There were, fu- there were fun scenes with them all. I thought like, dude, give me, Intro me to I, I never know how to say a name. Is it Helena Boehm Carter? However you say a name, I don't know. Is it Bonham? But, um, or Boehm? Boehm? I, I don't know. It's always that that middle name though that gets me. Yeah. I guess we're all too scared to have a go. <laughs> I don't know. But um, dude, intro me to her like eating the teller, crying. Like, yeah, sure, that's fun. I like that. You know, and she's great in the film, of course, because she's always good. I so mean, yeah, it has personality in that respect. Yeah, that's true, and like all the. I feel like the uh, everyone has a more defined role because there's less people and they just they just do it. like they're not just like actors or something. But um, yeah. As, as soon as they said she was like Irish, I'm gonna be oh god, gonna, she's gonna have like a cringe Irish accent, <laughs> and it was so cringe. That was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought it was pretty good, but I've got no idea. I actually, so so she's she's British, right? She's I, not. I think I think so. Right. Okay. Imagine she's well, like, I think yeah, she's not Irish. And yeah, that's an actual speaking voice, and Liam's just talking shit. I thought it was possible that was true, but I didn't, I didn't know. I guess if Liam thought it was cringe, I guess it clearly wasn't. Then. But yeah, I mean, it's probably like not a bad accent. I just, I don't know. 
I think it's cringe when people do like Russian or Irish accents because they're like, I don't know, they're like very exaggerated accents usually. Sure. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair enough. Um, well, one thing. It was you, Jane. You mentioned that um that you feel like a lot of the the style didn't carry over. Is that what you, you said that right? I just don't want to get my. I think I said that. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't like you. You, were, you when as soon as you mentioned my name and something I said, I was like, shit. What did I say? I, I, I do not remember. <laughs> Is that how you feel though? Because I wanted to I wanted to touch on that because my first thoughts were, um, I mean the film opens exactly the same way as Eleven in terms of her, I mean her name's Debbie. Ocean, yeah, but that that that, that felt cheap. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so so my question coming out of that scene was, and I, I didn't think it the first time because I had no comparison point, but this time I was like, how close is it going to try and imitate the the structure and the and the formula of these of eleven specifically? You know, because that was so clearly obviously an imitation. Um, so, but I don't know. Like for me, comparing the stylings of both, like I kind of liked. I liked the music. I liked the transitions. I liked like all the location establishing shots they do in the gallery. They always do that kind of thing where they have all these shots of where they like, you know, zoom in on the security cameras and do all that sort of stuff that the previous films did. Um, so I sort of thought like visually the film um, was consistent with the others in a way that I, that worked for me. But do you, how do you feel about that? I think I really miss like the gambler chic kind of style of the cast. Wait, what? Like, like, like you know, there are all these kind of like- mean? dirty you know kind of kind of like they're like semi-dirty semi like disheveled kind of look and um i think like a i think the score is missing like you know daniel pemberton came into the score this time who's great i love him on his other stuff but i think it misses that kind of like you know that like that like that that, that spicy jazzy kind of you know beat. oh okay okay you know? and i think that that does a lot to it like i think they're, they're like i think stylistically they are they are very different films because like this one's attempting to rub a high class event and it very much reflects that in its stylings, I feel. Whereas the other ones were obviously, you know, I don't know. Yeah. So then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. They, they feel grittier and sort of dirtier a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's fair for me. Like, yeah, I know I was sort of, I was enjoying the music, but I, I see what you mean, especially I feel like in the grading as well, like it doesn't, I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I sort of again. I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to get into the whole thing with where we guess if a film shot on digital or not because we're always wrong. But this felt like it was shot on digital. You know, like it had that I, sort of vibe to it. I, I do think a lot of the color from the original one is probably an age thing of like just like I think if if you were to take Soderbergh and if he was to remake him these days, I wonder if like he'd color him the same. You know, I, I think like I, I'm Fair. just trying to think like. Mm. How much of my comparison is based off of an age thing and like a nostalgia thing of like, you know, would I have liked that as much if it was applied today? So like, I'm just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see that, and then maybe I don't know maybe that age idea comes into play for me with some of the editing choices because I I remember saying like I. I just I did not like the transitions in Eleven at all. That just felt super weird to me. But I don't know. In this movie, they worked for me. I don't know why. Like maybe it was just there was something to the flow of it that felt a bit more modern to me that made them fit in. I don't know what it was, but um, like in this film, it was. I feel like they were applied better for me. Anyway, I don't know. It was kind of weird. How did you how did you feel about the the stylings of it all, Fitzy? I don't know. I just it, it felt like a watered down kind of. You know, modern pop version of oh yeah interesting yeah yeah 
I'll say that. Kind of the originals. Um, but I do I agree with Jane. Like, it's very like, like they show Manhattan um, as a kind of establishing shot, and it's very like New York kind of film. So it's not you know the it's not as cool as like Vegas is you know, not as sus as Vegas is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, you know, they, they needed a mafia aspect, you know, like a, like Jaws to kind of really tie over. Like, <laughs> yeah. Going to be a new like criticism. Didn't have a mafia. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't have a gangster subplot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it really should have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, a modern pop version. That's funny. I feel like so. It's like a Rihanna version of the original films. You know, would you say that? Yeah. Although I don't know if that's like. Airing too close to like Rihanna slander, you know, because <laughs> mm. it's like Rihanna's good, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, I like Rihanna a lot. Oh boo, Jane, no, okay, she's all right. <laughs> How do you feel about her in the movie though? Um, I think she's better in Battleship than she is here. Um, but I think that's because I like Battleship more, maybe. Um, okay. Uh, she was. I, I liked her sister. Her sister was fun for like those one minute that she was there. Um, but oh, yeah. Rihanna herself felt like, I don't know, a bit bit too vanilla hacker, you know. It's like, oh, let me prove that I'm in your footprint by hacking you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that shit's so dumb. Um, I, I hate that shit in movies where it's like, we hack the lights, dude. <laughs> like, mm. <laughs> turn off the lights. Nah, that shit's dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, well, how do you feel about her, Fitzy? And I think you were going to say something else about her as well that I interrupted. Oh, I'll just... I think she's okay in the movie. Um, but I was going to say, like, about her, like, I think she's better than Beyonce. Like, I think that the Beyonce, like, people compare them, right? Beyonce and Rihanna. Because, like, do some, they? Okay. I feel like, do they? I don't know. I don't know. But she's in some Kanye or something, so she has to be better than Beyonce, you know? <laughs> okay. She's sure. in Famous, I think, and some other ones. Yeah. Isn't she the chicken or the lights? Or the, well, I don't know. Is that the name of the song? Yeah. Um, yeah, she is. She's also in that one with John Lennon. Not John Lennon. Um, the other cunt, Paul McCartney. <laughs> oh, four or five seconds, yeah. Oh, that's a good song. Exactly. Yeah. She has actually good songs. And I think Umbrella is a good song. Oh, I love Umbrella. That song's a banger, dude. Yes, Umbrella. I, I, I love that other one. Um, that uh, What's the one she did with Jay-Z? I like that one. I don't know what it's called. I think it's like it's like super, super mainstream. I don't know what it is, though. But Umbrella? Like no, 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 no. Another one. Um. Uh, I don't know. I think it's on a Jay Z album. Anyway, I'm how did this happen? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I feel like for a second I'm like, I I, I can talk about music for somehow, and I did it terribly. But anyway, um, all right, Rihanna. I don't know. She was she was. I feel like we were skating the limits of her acting ability, but we but we were okay. You know, like I wouldn't. It was a generic character, generic hacker character that she brought some personality to, and I thought she did a very. Very fine job of it. So yeah, I was I was happy with that. But yeah, no, another main I mean speaking of the cast, the Jane's already brought up some Sandra Bullock thoughts, but I just I had some thoughts too, and I was thinking like, do we have we ever reviewed a Sandra Bullock performance on this show? because I, I just I don't think so. I don't think she's ever come up. I don't think she's ever really in things that I watch, to be honest. Um and that's had me thinking, like how I, I was trying to reflect on how I actually feel about her. And um, I, what else? I've seen her in Bird Box, which is like I don't know. It's fine. I liked her little bit in Bullet Train. I'm going to be honest. 
Um, See, I hated that. Okay, okay. Interesting. Um, but then, like, everything else, like, <laughs> speed, the proposal, miscongeniality. Actually, miscongeniality, oh, I'll, 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 give a, I'll, I'll give a pass to. Blindside sucks ass. Okay. Yeah, uh, the Julia Roberts comparison is interesting because it does feel like she's, I don't know, like, sort of just... What do you, how do you say? I don't know. She's like generic lead female actress, right? Oh, she was in Gravity, the most nothing movie of all time, dude. That's oh, crazy. I forgot she was in that. Okay. With George Clooney. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh. That's right. George Clooney's in the first five oh. minutes of that movie. You remember that? No, I don't, I don't remember anything about that movie. <laughs> no. Oh, damn. I mean, she, I remember the ending, I guess. Well, that she, oh, like, yeah. she spins around in space. You know. Yeah, it's like Interstellar, but yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I'll just go. Yeah, yeah. Um, from oh, sorry, sorry. I guess I, I find Sandra Bullock overall, from what I've seen, generic and forgettable. And she didn't blow me away in this, but I I liked her in this. Like the, her character had more personality than I expected going into it, and I thought she had some charm and some wit about her in terms of like when she's talking to some of the other characters and she's always like one step ahead on the plan of the heist, you know, the whole time. And every time someone questions it, she's got like a smart ass answer. I thought, I thought it was pretty entertaining overall. So I was with, you know, her filling that protagonist's void in this movie. I was fairly satisfied with it, to be honest, more so than I would have thought. Yeah, I agree with that. I think she was actually pretty, pretty good as the main, the leader of the group. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. She worked as that, I thought, and um, and I guess Kate Blanchett was just doing her accent, her like regular Aussie accent. That's like that from you guys in America, right? So that that's what you thought it was. It was like it was her just speaking because I was trying to figure out it wasn't an American accent, but nah. there was definitely some. It wasn't yeah. quite full Australian either. No, no, yeah, it was in between, I think. Right, but I guess that's just how she probably speaks now. Interesting, yeah. I mean, she lives down here, doesn't she? Don't know. I actually don't know. Yeah, isn't she the one that sent like a kid to John College or something? Yeah, to to, to grammar. I'm pretty sure. Grammar. Pretty sure her kids go to grammar. Oh, her kids go to grammar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe she just sent her kids to grammar so she doesn't have to deal with them and she can live in LA. I don't know. Mm, good point. Possibly. Possibly. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, Kay Blanchett's always good, and uh, I feel like her characters are always different, and this was a different character from her, so I like that. Who the hell else was there? We can do James Corden can have his own segment, but um, I'm you definitely skipping on the big name, right? Yeah, go I don't it. understand the hate behind James Corden. I'll, I'll admit, I'm not no, as much of a fan. Not. I'm not a massive fan, <laughs> but like, I really like James Corden in his Doctor Who, Doctor Who episodes. I, I, I thought he was good here. Um, I think his talk show is cringe. I will, I will, I will say that. But I don't understand why the world hates him so much. Like, where did he pull all that hate from? Mm. You know, I mean, mm. back in the UK when he was on Gavin and Stacey, everyone loved him. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know where this hate's come from. Mm. Oh, we can do it now. I didn't, I, I didn't hate him either. To be clear, I didn't hate him. He, he just took me out of the movie. I found him distracting. Like every time, I couldn't take him seriously as his character. Which I mean, I know it's meant to be like a silly cameo. I get, I, I get that. But I don't know. Like, it, it was he was never he was never funny enough for me to like. 
buy into how silly it was that he was in the movie. You know, mm. it was sort of just like I was meant to take him a bit too seriously, and it was sort of just it was sort of distracting. I would have just gone for someone else, you know. But um, no, I, I I didn't think he did a bad job or anything. I was just sort of I just wouldn't have cast him. I thought it was kind of weird. That's fair, all. Fair. Oh no, I wouldn't yeah. cast him in anything at all. No, I wouldn't fucking touch him. <laughs> But like, I just don't understand like the kind of universal hate that he gets. Oh, I, is that is he actually like? I didn't even know that to be honest. Oh, okay. Damn, I thought it was gonna be the controversial one. No, I, he he's actually really good in this. I thought, and I think he's a good actor for. Uh, like, I'll always think James Gunn's a good actor for his role in uh, All or Nothing, which is like a Mark Lee film where he plays like a teenager who's like has a heart disease, he's, like really fat, and like. Um, <laughs> Wait, hang on, was he a teenager at the time? Or Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. That's, I was going to say, like, James Corden now plays a teenager. I was like, yeah. That was actually, like, a really great performance. So, and they, these are, like, the two things I've seen from him, and he's good in both. So I won't watch all the other cameos. You know, he's in 10 other movies, I think, with, like, cameos, you know. Um, oh, yeah. But he was actually pretty funny. Like, the, the one moment I remember laughing at the film is where he was, like, in the dude's house who's like Sandra Bullock's uh, ex-boyfriend and he's like you've got everything mm. like, he's like uh, why would you do this you've got everything oh and, and these two. Like, two you got two of these things that was, actually, that was, <laughs> I actually it was hilarious good. like I, yeah I, I lol that was, that was good uh, you know what that was funny and I <laughs> I, hate being, I hate being a dick but man it but like I would have rewritten it. Like I think, I think you can make that funnier. Like if if he'd stopped and went, like, you've got you've got everything, and you've even got and even two of whatever these are. You know, like it, it was sort of a bit almost too quick. But I don't know. I'm stu- it was being stupid. It was funny. I thought that was clever. But yeah, wow, oh, fantastic rewrite there, Zach. You thank you so much, James. Uh, you know what I just did? I MCU'd that line. That's what I just did. <laughs> they should hire me. Yeah, for all their humor, everyone had. Love that, of course. Mm. I think the main big name I was blanking on earlier was must be Anne Hathaway, right? Oh yeah. Oh yes. I think I think that's who it must be. And uh I I enjoyed her in the movie. I mean Anne Hathaway's great, but um mm. like her playing this sort of meta it, it's the idea that she's being a famous actress was fun. And like it was like playing with the expectation of like she's playing some sort of you know, someone in her position but I assume a very extreme personality as well, who I assume she probably isn't actually like that. You know what I mean? So it was like this, it almost felt like a character of herself in some way, which was fun or of, of someone in her sort of famous of her notoriety, I guess. Um, and how she deals with like all the publicity and shit. I thought it was sort of cool. Um, but I thought for some reason, my recollection of the film was that she was in on the plan the whole time. But she was just brought in later, which wasn't as clever as I remember it being. Like I was, ex- I, I was waiting for the twist. I remembered it that way, where oh, she was, she's been on it since the, in the since the start. But that uh, wasn't it at all. I don't know. Mm. That's um the one thing that I was like new, spoiled about the movie because I think, I mean, I, I probably watched it like from an aeroplane screen. Someone else's, you know, screen <laughs> on an aeroplane, but she like comes back. Um, but she ends up in the in the. So, yeah, the rest of them. Yeah, I thought she was always part of it. Like, 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 like my outward interpretation of going into the film, I thought Anne Hathaway was part of the main crew. Like, I, I don't like, right? Um, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. Like, obviously, the first half of the film then throws me off that, so I'm like, oh, I was wrong. But then, no, I was, I was right. 
And then she comes into it because she's mm. lonely. Yeah. Um, how much of a dickhead is? I'm sorry. I just want to say how much of a dickhead is David Armitage for allowing himself to be handcuffed, dude? I'm just saying. Come on now. You wouldn't be handcuffed by Anne Hathaway, dude. Yeah, probably. Actually, you're probably right. Liam, please continue. <laughs> yeah, wait, the okay. So the like the one surprise for me was that Danny Ocean. I thought Danny Ocean would definitely turn up at the end because I yeah, feel like it's I such a. Did. I feel like it's such a um, heist movie like moment for like you know the the fake out death kind of thing, and like because he's like you know the most important character of the series. Um, I thought he would definitely, you know. He's actually the fact that he was actually dead, and they played that as like emotional beat at the end was like, it it got me because I didn't expect it, you know, because like I I was sure that he'd turn up at the end. I thought I'd always heard around this movie that Danny Ocean turns up at the end, and that he wasn't <laughs> dead. <laughs> yeah, dude, like the Mandela effect. This is the Mandela effect, right? I guess that killing him, killing him, is the only way to stop fans from asking him to be put into the next one, which is the point of these films, is to not have him there ever female forward like you know kind of like i guess yeah yeah i think everyone thinks that danny ocean's at the end of it because he should have been i don't know like was was the last scene it's weird i thought it was super weird like i I thought for sure it was going to be a situation where he faked his own death like i feel like the scene was perfectly set up for it yeah yeah, it was was. and she even starts like pouring the drink and he's like gonna come in and sit next to her or something like it was like it was so weird it was almost like they shot it that way and then just cut like it was like it's actually so bewildering like that that didn't happen it's 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 bizarre and they even say earlier in the film like it's the 100 percent like there's no reason for her to go back there because they, she goes there at the start. They establish that would be the perfect thing to do. They establish that he's dead. In the middle of the film, she has a line. Doesn't Aquafina say, like, are you sure he's dead? And she's like, no, I'm yeah, not sure. And, and the other thing is that um, Ruben, was it Ruben that comes in? Yeah. Um, Asshole Ruben. And I feel like she says, like, what did they say? What did he say or some shit? I feel like yeah, she's yeah. implying that yes. he, like, is, you know, directing things behind the scenes and it's like oh, there's so many things pointing towards it it's crazy yeah yeah he, so he obviously had an opinion on the heist before he died i guess but yeah like the, they say that you'd think oh i totally agree like planting all the seeds in the world that he's going to turn up at the end and then he just yeah. <laughs> it feels like a troll or something it was super weird yeah. like, maybe, maybe maybe he was but he just like couldn't that george clinton couldn't it's crazy <laughs> that's so weird god damn um, but speaking of cameos, so we had Ruben, clearly not George Clooney, but um, Matt Damon and Carl Rayner were set to reprise their respective roles as Linus and Saul, but their scenes were cut. So that they shot scenes for this film. Um, huge bummer we didn't get Linus, dude. That would probably would have made it for me, to be honest. Well, really I think I, I think it's better that they didn't, because I, I think even Chen being there, you know, God knows I love him, but like, I think him being there, like, you know, waters down the whole point of the film of, you know, yeah, of, uh, of, of ditching the past and, you know. Um, oh, interesting. The fact yeah. that, you know, they use him as a cop-out to finish off their robbery, you know, when they could have just got a new person to fill that same role or something, you know. Like, you know, I, mm. I like a callback. I like Chen. But, like, it just feels like it undermines the point of the film. Mm. Yeah, even if you had, like, someone new sort of honouring that spot or something. And they do something like the slightly different with it. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, Chuba yeah. and Chen's daughter. That should have been it. Mm. <laughs> Chen's sister. Chen, yeah. like, it's like Daddy and Debbie. Chen's sister, Chen, or something. Like, Whoa, you can't do that one. <laughs> Can I not? It's just a slight variation of the name. Uh, I get where you're coming from because of the Danny and Debbie thing, but, you know. I, I, I even deliberately set it up. <laughs> made the comparison first, so I didn't sound racist when I said it. <laughs> if Andy was here, you might be able to get away with it, but, you know. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah, we don't have the ambassador yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Andy, if Andy were here, he would have laughed at it, and then that would have been oh, totally yeah, acceptable. Yeah. I might we actually could... insert Andy laughing from another episode. <laughs> yeah, we should, yeah. <laughs> just to be safe. We just need him yeah. on call just for, like, whenever we, you know, might go over the line, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just gives us, like, he's he's in the call the whole time, and he turns on his camera and just gives us, like, the thumbs down, the approval or disapproval. Mm. Oh, man. Okay. So, like, I guess, I mean, speaking on that, where Chen comes in at the end and they he steals more stuff for them, like, uh, for me, that's sort of where the movie just doesn't work. Like, it's kind of, it doesn't help that I feel like the actual real-time execution of the high sequence in terms of everything with Anne Hathaway running to the toilet and um, and the blind spot in the camera and... Uh, the necklace being taken off her neck, like everything there, which is like meant to be the film's version of the main high sequence. I just thought it was underwhelming and sort of not not extravagant, not very interesting. Um, it's certainly lacking when you compare it to Eleven in terms of like intricacies, in terms of the technology, and as over the top as it always was, like infiltrating the vault and having all these different people having to, you know coordinate all these different roles there was coordination for sure but at the end of the day it really just sort of felt like a, a pickpocket attempt of getting someone to go to the bathroom and then stealing it from their neck like it's not that exciting um and then when all the you can make the argument that it does get more interesting but i find it lame that as it sort of does get taken up a notch we're only told about that after the fact i don't really enjoy you know just getting told about all the extra effort they went to steal the other stuff, and there was, there was, there was always more to the operation that we just didn't know about. But we're only just like showing it afterwards. It's like, oh, okay, it sort of kills the cool factor. I would have appreciated like this being integrated into the plan from the start and seeing it all unfold in real time. You know, it was sort of just like it, it felt like the movie was over, and then they were just sort of telling me about how cool the parts of the movie were I never saw. It was like, oh, okay sort of underwhelming. I think that's why overall the the third act didn't really work for me, I think. Mm. I wonder um, if that's a direction thing or if it's or if it's if it's a time thing because I think if Steven had done it, I think that would have been included. Um but I'm also like have movies changed since so significantly, you know, in the in that 10 years that he would have had to structure it differently. Do you mean done it in terms of done the same like shown you after the fact thing no like that he would have incorporated it into like the main kind of sequencing oh okay okay well like that's what i think like if 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 someone Mm. else was at the helm i think they would have cast someone as a replacement chen and then and then integrated it into the plan rather than having it as a callback and a you know kind of gotcha moment oh yeah like an extra thing yeah yeah for sure but isn't i feel like isn't that sort of the entirety of ocean 12 like, isn't the entirety of Ocean 12's plot like a gotcha thing? Yeah, like, nothing really happens in real time works. in that movie. 
Sorry? It's funny though, and it's clever, and it works. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah, I feel like if you're comparing this to like twelve, like nothing. Yeah, as you said, like nothing simple and real, like happens real time in twelve. Like, and this is at least it's kind of like there's no abstraction. It's very easy to like follow, like you know the actual the actual stealing. Uh, yeah, I thought that sequence was like like actually okay the um stealing sequence, but after like the extra bit is a bit if yeah a bit weird I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Favorite favorite moment of the movie, Zach. Come on, Michael Gandolfini. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Was, I was so happy. Yeah, <laughs> plays busboy. Mm. What does busboy mean, by the way? Because how's he a busboy? He's in, he's a waiter. Yeah, it's just it's not it's just not word for waiting. Oh, is it? Well, busboys yeah, usually know. can't like serve alcohol. I think because they're usually under eighteen. Oh, right. Usually, but dish, a busboy is just a type of waiter, yeah, isn't it? What's that? A busboy is just a waiter, isn't it? Uh, not always, because I know in Australia it's not. I know, in like when I went to the pub, it was like when you're a busboy, if you, you like, just do the dishes and like, you know, carry the plates around and stuff, but you can't serve. So, so prior to this definition switch, would you have considered yourself a busboy, Jaden? Me, God no. No? Oh yeah, okay, I guess a young man who clears tables in a restaurant or cafe. Okay, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Right. You see, I, 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 I did that at one point, but you know, me now, I'm, I'm more dignified. You know, I'm, yeah, high class. I'm, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not clearing tables anymore. You're a white whore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was cool to see him for sure. Um, I don't know if this was like his breakout film role or something, but. It's a nice surprise, hundred percent. Well, I mean, it's one of those perfect examples of going back to a film and having, like, recognizing someone you definitely wouldn't have put two and two together the first time, you know? Yeah, because you've seen them in something since or whatever. True. I got some more trivia. Oh, Jaden sort of already alluded to this, but um, I mean, it's so obvious, but I didn't even think of it. Uh, the numbering of the movie Ocean's Eight allows for a trilogy: Ocean's Eight, Nine, and Ten, which oh. would perfectly line up with Eleven, Twelve, and Thirteen. To you know what I mean? So what's the deal with that? I guess we're not – is that happening? I've never heard anything about a sequel to this, and I don't know of it. But No, I haven't heard anything either. But I, I looked, and it, this movie was profitable. Like, it wasn't a bomb or anything. So I'm sort of – I don't really understand what happened there. It's sort of weird. It might just be hard to, like, keep the cast together. That's what I was thinking as well. Because it's so big. Like, Rihanna's so big, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rihanna hasn't been producing music for like the past fucking seven years or how long it's been since she released an album. So, I mean, she's not busy. <laughs> she's now. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, no, there's a ton of ton of people in this and a ton of people that have gotten bigger since as well. Like Aquafina's a big deal now, you know? Yeah, and then Sarah Paulson, is that her name? Yeah, she's in like, like Conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's actually really good. I think she's probably like my favourite of the cast. I totally forgot about her. Yeah, she's good. Uh, wasn't she the? Is that her name? She was the uh, Wonder Woman villain, right? I'm not getting my people mixed up. Oh yeah, I think she was. That's yeah. right. Oh no, no. Are you talking about? No, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you. Yeah. No, that's um. 
that's a comedic actress. She's in uh, Kristen, isn't it? Oh, Kristen Wiig. Oh, yeah. damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because because you, you said because you, you said her and like in my mind she just appears so clearly. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole time I was so convinced that I was right. Um, okay, wow, that's funny. Damn. So wait, what have I? Wait, hang on. So what have I seen this Sarah Paulson in then? I feel like she's in plenty. I don't know. Yeah, she's in Spa Glass. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Oh, she was in Bird Box as well. She was she... in. Uh, apparently, she was in Twelve Years a Slave. She was in. Mar- oh, that's right. She was in oh, she's the wife of Twelve Years a Slave. There you go. Yeah. Damn. All right. Oh, she's got a career. Then good for her. That's good. I think she does some TV as well. Oh, it could be. Was anyone taking any notes as we saw Sandra Bullock's tactics at the start? in regards to stealing perfume and getting a hotel room. I was taking notes personally. I thought it was great. That was good. That was a good little trick. How many people uh, walked American out of the theater going? American is the main thing. That's a great idea. Oh, okay. Isn't that an anthology series? Yeah, but like uh, they do like a, they, they, they keep the same cast across seasons uh, quite often, I think. Oh, So okay. she's in like all of them from 2011 to 2021. Oh, shit. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. American Horror Story is pretty good. I've only seen a bit of it, but... The first season's pretty good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like... Honestly, I feel like we... Like, that was good. I feel like we covered everything quite well and everything... I, I don't know. Like, the film was super digestible. Don't regret watching it all. Does it a lot quite well, and I don't know. I'm never going to remember it well, but... Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's um, fun stuff about it. Yeah. I guess the only thing is that I also like the, uh, I can't remember what song they use, like what classic music, like what classical music they use, but they have like an equivalent of like the fountain scene in that they use like classical music when they're like walking down the stairs, whatever, out of the Met Gala. Oh, in their dresses, yeah. It was like, it was like the style was completely, the musical style was like completely consistent with the rest of the film in that it was like a watered down like pop version of like a classical Song like it worked like really well, but I can't remember what the song was. But it was pretty hot. It feels pretty good. Yeah, I can't remember either. Sorry, and I watched it two hours ago. The um, it's it's fading. Yeah, this movie's already fading, but it's even not in a, not in a terrible way though. But yeah, all right. Let's get to our final eggs for Ocean's Eight, Jaden. I think it's a five. I think it's a strong five though. Um, like. I don't think it's worth a watch, but like I think I don't think it's a bad film. I just think it is just you know, like we've said, just slipped from your mind quickly. Yeah, um, yeah. It probably is on par with like the first Ocean's film for me personally, but like um, I think the first Ocean's film is a lot more in- enjoyable to watch, but probably not in quality. So I guess like that's kind of where like the difference emerges. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a, I'll give it a six. I definitely enjoyed it more this time, um, and I feel like overall, like it stands up as having a very much having a place in this series, which I think is sort of the best you can say about it. As sort of all it really had to do, like it doesn't feel like the the uh, the ugly stepchild or you know just an abomination of an attempt of a reboot or anything. It's not that at all. Like it feels like it fits in it. Um, Knew what it was going for and did it competently. So yeah, no, I thought it was all right. Fitzy. 
I mean, I have been like talking about the positive things because I feel like there is like a whole, a whole like element of the film that is pretty like uncharming and unfunny, which I think I mentioned like once. But like that is like a major factor, especially in like you know the oceans films. So it is a five, but it's it was still like uh, like an engaging movie just because of I don't know. I think it runs fast, and I think the you know the actual heist is, is okay. Yeah, the crime element is okay. Yeah. Sure, sure. What it lacks in charm, it makes up for in being able to follow the plot. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yes, that's the True. main plot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really fair. All right. Let's get into a load of news chat. Where do we jump in? I feel like I can spin the wheel, you know? Um I mean, we usually leave trailers to last, so let's do that. We can go to, we can go to DC. We can go to probably the biggest story of the week for the, the industry. We got uh, everything happening with DC Studios. So let me try and sort of summarize it. I'll attempt to. I've got the IGN article here to help me, but essentially, Warner Brothers Discoveries. Our friends at IGN. Damon Hatfield's here on my screen. I love, I love him. He's my BFF. Mm. Um, he knows me well as Sir Kaz. So, um, WB Discovery, they've made some moves with their DC branch, which have sort of been long in the making, you know, there's been, I mean, everyone knows the conversation around the DCEU and it, you know, subjectively being a disaster for years and all this sort of stuff and all the leadership stuff with Batgirl and uh, the Flash and all that sort of shit that's going down production wise. But what they've done this week is that they've rebranded, uh, They've rebranded to DC Studios. Um, definitely don't know where they got that idea from. And they've appointed new co-CEOs of DC Studios, being James Gunn, as well as uh, Peter Safran. Who Peter Safran is a is a producer in Hollywood. He's I think he's partnered with James Gunn a lot. He's like a producer. He was a producer for um, Suicide Squad and Peacemaker, and so he's a partner with James a lot and does a lot of other produces a bunch of other you know superhero films and shit, so he knows what he's doing. And um, But obviously James Gunn is sort of the big noteworthy thing here because my main thing was it was wild to see, you know, someone who's incredibly well-known as a filmmaker, incredibly well-known in, in DC and in superhero in the genre these days, but to see him sort of go from just being a filmmaker and a writer to taking on a CEO role of and becoming what is essentially, you know, the Kevin Feige of DC. So... Um, I'll just read this paragraph here of what, what, what this means, really. So according to the report, uh, Gunn will focus on the creative side of the studio while Saffron will handle the business and production elements, which makes sense. Um, Gunn will also continue to direct projects, projects exclusively for DC um, while Saffron will keep producing. Um, so you can you can assume Gunn will he'll be moving forward with Peacemaker Season 2 and all that sort of stuff he'll continue to do. But, yeah, so this makes them just to – Summarize, this makes them basically the boss of DC film, TV, and animation. Apologies if that was long-winded, but I feel like I got the gist of it there. Jaden, how did you, any thoughts, any feelings that you have when you first saw this headline? I don't like that James Gunn is now going to be the fall guy for WB. <laughs> because that's all he really is going to be. Like, if something goes wrong, they're just going to put it on him. If something goes great, then they'll claim individual credit to whoever they feel deserves it. I think Gunn is definitely suited for the role in kind of in kind of planning and situating this kind of greater vision. Um, 
I think it's interesting because I think that it's. It, I think it's so interesting to see the continual shift of the DC EU from like its kind of dark, mm. gritty Snyder tones to having to let up to you know allow some of that Marvel kind of isms into it, you know, in, in your Shazams and and whatnot. And now having James Gunn as head, I wonder how significant of a shift it will be because Gunn is obviously known for his more comedic products. Um, I don't think we're going to get we're going to see the Marvelization of DC. But I think that Gunn as a creative is someone who will respect other creators enough to let them have their own vision. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I don't know much about the other guy, so I can't really speak to him. Um, but he kind of seems... I think Gunn is just more of a public figure, and I reckon the other guy will probably be running more of it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's sort of... Yeah, if Gunn's going to focus on the creative. I mean, I feel like... I agree. I feel like you can at least expect consistency from him now. Like, the whole... You're totally right with the tone of the DCEU being all over the place for years and or evolving for years, I guess you could say, put it put it nicely. Um, but not just that, though. Like, you know, in the past five years, we've seen not just the tone of the universe evolve, but we've seen the continued, you know, decision to make other projects outside of the universe. Like, there was a time where it was like, does the DCEU even exist anymore? Like... You know, with things like the Batman and Joker just not even taking place inside of it, like there was sort of a question of what role does that universe even have anymore? You know, um, so I'm interested to see like how not only how the universe is going to change tonally, but how much uh, how much of the products down the pipeline are going to even continue to take place in it. Whether it'll be they'll sort of refocus on it again, whether they'll try and build to something more in it again, or whether they'll stick with some standalone stuff as well. I don't know. Um, how do you feel, Fitzy? Yeah, I think it's probably it's probably good. I mean, it makes a lot of sense because I think the Suicide Squad was like the most solid, like kind of success of DC, and I hope you know they make kind of more of that kind of thing. Um, I don't think it was like the Suicide Squad in like literal literal rating is probably you know higher than. Um, you know, higher age limit than others. Um, I think, like, the Snyder films, sure, they're, like, you know, they're really... They're literally dark, as in they they are... <laughs> yeah, they're visually dark. But I think the newer films actually have, like, darker subject matter and are, like, more serious kind of films and mm. better films. So, um, yeah, it's actually kind of good, kind of exciting. I guess we got, like... Yeah, we got, like, more... Guardians or like Suicide Squad kind of thing, so be nice. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I don't think sure. Be, uh, yeah, you're right. yeah. No, 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 go for it. No, no. go for it. I was just, I just think it'd be interesting to see where animated like stuff has now, because obviously he's, he's got control of that as well. But the animated universe has always been very solid. Um, there's some misses, obviously, but like, um, just talking about like that kind of like the more mature tone that movies of, of, of like the DC have taken recently. I just think of like um like the animated films have always have always been the most mature films and still are in kind of DC continuity. Like the Suicide Squad animated film um held to play held to pay from 2018. Like it's got fucking nudity and it's it's got like you know like like it's got violence galore and like it's very gory and like so I wonder like if we'll see like I don't know a change in the animated stuff as well or if they'll just like let that continue to be that because I don't know I think mm. I think that'd be interesting to see 
Yeah. Yeah. I, think, yeah. I guess, like, if you think about the DC as a whole, it's like they were trying to recreate the Dark Knight in terms of, like, the brooding tone, and then they were trying to recreate the MCU in terms of the character, uh, you know, collection. And now they're just kind of like, you know, we'll do our own thing. We'll kind of make these, like, cool, like, yeah, Suicide Squad, like, ensemble-type films. At least I think that's, like, what they're, like how their philosophy has kind of shifted. I, 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 yeah, totally, because it felt like for a long time they were they were chasing, they were um, yeah, copying. Yeah. They, weren't the, they weren't leading in any capacity. Um, and I feel like in recent years their attempt to do that was to make more standalone things, um, whether in the universe or not. Like um, things that don't necessarily like have a five year plan to build to a team up movie, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, like Shazam, like Shazam was really good. Exactly, exactly. And Shazam and Suicide Squad both in the universe don't very standalone, but then the Batman, of course, completely out of the universe, completely standalone. So I'm just curious to see how that strategy will evolve as well. Yeah. Um, I guess sort of coinciding with this may as well. Um, uh, uh, spoilers, spoilers for. Everyone, I don't know. Is it even? Can you even put a spoiler mark on it? Because everyone knows. But um, Henry Cavill's back as Superman. He's in Black Adam. Um, yeah, it's been so. It's been since 2017's Justice League disaster, I think. Right since any since he's uh, been involved in the character at all. So I, I mean, he's been uh, flirting with the press for years about. Oh yeah, I'll come back. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. No, we're definitely going back. Oh yeah, the preachers talked to him about this. And, oh yeah, I'll go back. But I, I feel think like this isn't I, new news, is it? I could be. It is one hundred percent. I could be wrong because everyone's freaking out. I think. I think what you're thinking of, Jan, is. I think like everyone, like the fans, willed that into existence. Like the fans, like wanted it so bad that they just kept like sort of making it up, and everyone kept like asking him and shit. I don't. But nothing was ever like, oh yeah, we're doing it. It's happening. You know, we're here. We're mm. shooting. You know. Um, I could be wrong. That, that's been sort of my interpretation of it. Because yeah, otherwise I don't know why why this is news. But um, I mean, there is reports of, and it makes perfect sense, of course, that there's a Superman film in the works with Henry Cavill. You know, so that's going to be part of whatever this new direction, this new strategy is, which is cool. I, people are like that, that. My main question is like, people are calling it like Man of Steel two, just because logically, like Man of Steel was the first one, and then we're getting a sequel, but. I would expect this to not have Man of Steel in the title, not be like Man of Steel, you know. Is 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 Zaddy is directing it or not? No, no, no info on that. I would presume not. Yeah, I, I reckon it would be a different. I reckon it would be an adaptation of a different story. I don't think it would be Man of Steel at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd expect it just because it is Henry to keep consistency. I'd expect it's in that universe technically, but it's like oh, a, yeah, it's yeah. like a, it's like a, the Suicide Squad situation where it's like, yeah, sure, it's in the same universe as the first one, but it's just its own story, its own Superman story with Henry, you know? Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be good. What happened to the, like the black? Sure. Were we talking about like a black Superman that was coming? Yes, and that was I was reading about that this week as part of this was the fact that um that was what um the previous the previous. CEO was pushing for that, and now that with this leadership change, that's he- what sort of got Henry back in, and they've ch- uh, changed direction again. Well, well not happening. No. I, I also saw a story from this week. I'm not sure if it was pre or I think it was before the gun thing was announced that the axing of Batgirl was the start of the kind of cutting of products, and that like they expected to cut like another two billion worth of products um, like from a, like the from like the Q3 lineup. It's like the so, Godfather, end of the Godfather, just killing all the. 
the, fa- the yeah. family. <laughs> so like, I wonder right. if that if that um, if that other um, if that Black Superman film has been is is part of that plan to just you know remove it. Yeah, I see. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't even know how far along that ever was. That's the thing. But yeah, that's a good point. It's like yeah. Is there a world where Batgirl comes back? I don't know. I don't think so. But I guess crazier things have happened. The Snyder Cut happened, you know? Mm. Very, very good. Let's quickly talk about this new Star Wars movie, Jan. I want to throw, I don't know how much you know. I just want to throw everything out there and get your take. Um, so it was reported this week that everyone knows the Star Wars film scene is a mess. Um, but. What, the the film that's expected now to fill the December 2025 slot. Keep in mind, everyone, Rogue Squadron was meant to be coming out in two months, and uh, that film never happened. It was uh, it, it's and they still claim it's happening, but it's clearly not. So, um, the film that's now expected to take the 2025 slot is this new Star Wars project, which is written by Damon Lindelof, known for creating Lost, uh, creating Watchmen, and I think was it the Leftovers as well. Yeah, that was the. I see. I want to watch that. I've heard good things about that. Um, but Watchmen is, I think, our main touchstone yep. to him as a writer. So, I mean, super interesting. This had been rumored for a while because I, I, I was reading. I, I frequent some uh, like really nerdy Star Wars sites, and there was like reports that Damon Lindelof has been spotted on the Disney lot, and like people were talking about that for months. But anyway, so he's actually is writing a Star Wars movie. So um, that's crazy. So we got uh, the director of. Uh, so to be clear, Miss Marvel, this this lady who directed two episodes of Miss Marvel, she's not like the director of Miss Marvel, but she directed yeah. two episodes. Her name's Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy, and I completely butchered that. Um, she's going to be directing this film. Um, so those are the two. Lindelof, Star Wars, that's interesting for sure. He definitely feels like he has a unique sort of position as a writer, like, he has his own sort of stylings of what he goes for and what he's interested in, it seems. Um, but outside of that, the two other main points that are interesting is the fact that there was apparently a big writer's room in uh, – is there a goddamn hurricane happening? What's yeah, going on? Is that – yeah, <laughs> that's me. There's, there's... Oh, is it rain? Yeah. It's like really oh, shit. Right pouring down. We're going to cop that in about 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait for it to come and interrupt my audio too. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> I was so confused. Um, there, there was a writer's room back in June apparently, which involved about 10 people to, back to come up with the story for this film, and Dave Filoni was in the room, um, which I find very interesting. So apparently what happened is they had 10 writers, producers, they were just brainstorming, figuring out what the story was going to be. Apparently whatever it's going to be, they figured it out. Um, as a group, and then now Lindelof is going off to try and write it, basically. And from that, from that discussion, from that writers' meeting, was apparently reported that the story. All we know is that the story will take place after the rise of Skywalker, mm. which is interesting. Um, so yeah, anyway, I just threw all that that out there. Any any feelings, Jaden? Well, Lindelof's products in the past have been very localized. You know, Watchmen set in one town. Left leftovers, I'm pretty sure, is you know very centric on one location, and Lost is obviously set on an island. Mm. So, like, I wonder if this is going to be a super tight, kind of intimate, kind of thing, or if he's going to, if he's expanding for the sake of Star Wars. Um, I trust him a lot, for, considering I've only seen one of his products, which is Watchmen, but that show is phenomenal. 
Um, so I would trust him with this entirely. Um, I think he's got a lot of quirks and absurdities that come through in that Watchmen script, and I hope oh, we yeah. see some of that in, his, in in the Star Wars thing that he produces. Um, I was having a quick look at the director. Um, other than Miss Marvel, her things, I think we're all foreign um, and like <laughs> kind of documentary based and kind of informative. So it'll be interesting to see what she kind of does as well. Um, but I don't know. It could be an interesting pairing, I guess. Um, but I'm yeah. definitely keen for it to see what Damon kind of does with the world. Yeah, definitely. That's what it struck me as as well was an odd pairing of writer and director, um, which is cool. That's totally cool. Yeah, it's interesting. The point you bring up about it being more contained or grand or whatever, like that debate is interesting. I don't know. I see it. After The Rise of Skywalker, I feel like he's noteworthy because I think that's cool. Like, as much as I love all the Star Wars media we're getting now, I must admit, like, I don't – there's only so much of, like, filling in stories in between things that I can sort of take, you know? Like, I'm going to get sick of that. So the fact that they're – let, let's move on. Let's let's push forward. Like I'm down with that, and especially if it's something like, it's not like the next grand adventure of the galaxy. You know what I mean? Mm. Thirty years. It's not like episode ten. Like no one. I, I don't want that. You know. It's like after the rise of Skywalker, the galaxy can evolve. Like the world building can evolve in a new way, but it's the, the story itself can be smaller as well. Like I think that all those ideas are all great. Yeah. Well, I've, I've seen people complaining like in recent few weeks about like Disney's lack of you know investment in the sequel trilogy and like you know there is nothing there apart from the mandalorian uh, and book of Boba Fett, i guess as well but like yeah like there is like that like that sequel trilogy isn't getting the treatment of you know your clone wars your rebels and all this other shit in between um granted it's only three years old at this point i guess so like there's still time to get into it but this this could be like the start of getting into that i guess um so yeah cool yeah, exactly, exactly. It was brought up, and I don't know if the, this was like an actual report or whether this was conjecture from the reporter because I think I think they've read the fact it takes place after The Rise of Skywalker and then added, so that could open the door for um, sequel trilogy characters to return, you know, like obviously. Well, Oscar Isaac recently said that he is ready to return as Poe if needed. If needed. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, he's like, you know, for a long time he was like, um, you know, he was, he was kind of against the character because he was, he was a bit, pissed off about what they did to him so like but i think he, he recently said like oh yeah i've come to terms with it you know I'm, I'm i'm ready to return yeah i always think from what i've read and seen in interviews of him like i think i think i think a lot of them felt a bit burned by the end burnt by the end but yeah. um like he was a big fan like he like he loved the the, the pro comics and stuff like he was really into it at, t- at a time so like i'm sure mm. it wasn't ever like this was only ever just a gig for him you know um so no i mean i don't know whether it happens here or in 20 years like it could very well happen anywhere in between but i I see all three of those sequel leads coming back at various points maybe not all at the same time but i think it happens well john boyega was another one that was very public about his comments about saying i'm not going to return to poe because of what they are not uh, i'm not going to return to finn because you know i was absolutely shafted um but i think he did a he softened as well yeah yeah. So that'd be interesting. I think Daisy's the only one that I haven't really seen anything about, but to be fair, like I hardly see anything about her at all. I don't That's know. True. She feels like a very mm. quiet kind of celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. For for her especially, like I I see I can just see it in my mind's eye, like a, a Ray Disney Plus series in fifteen years. I can see it. 
you know, and, and, and everyone will probably love it at the time or like be excited for it at the time. I don't know if it'll be good, obviously, but. Um, that's, uh, fuck, 15 years, man. That's fucking far away. Well, that's like, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll be in our mid 30s. That's that's disgusting to think about. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. Oh, my God. That's um, we'll be, yeah, probably. Yeah. Like the fact that Daisy really doesn't get much media. It's probably like a British versus American media thing. Like the British actors get less attention just because they're not. Like able to be focused as much by you know the American. Well, John's British and yeah. he's 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 got his fair share of shows. You know? Oh, is he? Oh, okay, yeah. never mind. He's also. But do you feel like that comes from him being in more stuff though, like him um, doing publicity tours and, and the like? Yeah, yeah. I think that. Yeah, yeah. True, true. Yeah. I think that because Daisy doesn't have a social media presence is is the other thing, which is very difficult these days because you know social media is king. So in her not kind of having that interaction, I guess is where she she falls behind and terms of numbers of popularity mm. and whatnot i think she still does some stuff though like like she's in the bubble which was that um, oh she in that <laughs> yeah she's got a, she's got a little bit of a cameo in that um oh that's cool so that was i was happy to see that but yeah i recently uh saw her or saw her uh she was in 12 minutes i don't know what the correct oh uh, yeah right she yeah. was in 12 minutes yeah played with her played with <laughs> oh man god damn it all right, let's get to trailers quick. Um, we got Ant Man and the Wasp. Uh, Jane, no. what did you think of this one? You got Ant Man Quantumania. Ant Man, sorry, Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Yes, you're right. That we've heard, that movie came out years ago. <laughs> um, I don't know. It was kind of shit. I don't know. The the like I don't, I don't know, man. Like I like Paul Rudd. I love Catherine Newton, but like this trailer didn't do much for me. Um. This whole miniverse thing, the CGI in it wasn't overly appealing. Um, but, you know, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I think uh, Kang being like, I think this is going to be like the main introduction, introduction of Kang to the thing. So like, sure. I think that'd definitely be worth it. Um, and if Paul Rudd's funny, then I guess it's definitely worth it. And I mean, yeah. I basically exactly agree. Is Catherine Newton the, um, uh, she's the recast of Cassie, right? Or one of his daughter? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I totally agree. I thought it was. It looked like it could be cool. Um, I, I need some more time with Kane because I don't know he did nothing for me in Loki, so I need some more there. And hopefully this gives it. I, I mean, it will. Like this is meant to be like the big mainstream. I think like a bombshell moment for him to get out there. You know, set up mm. the next fifty movies with him as the villain. So, well, are they, is it? Aren't they going to be done with him quickly? Well, he, is is it, won't is it, won't it, be. Well, Kang's Dynasty is in twenty twenty five, right? But is that is that the end of phase three or is that the end of phase four? That's the end of phase. Oh, six. Phase f- oh, oh, right. Okay, right. <laughs> I think. Damn okay. it! I can't get this shit. I can't get this shit. This shit in track, dude. It's yeah. unbelievable. Um, yeah, no, it is the end of phase six. I think I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, what? that makes sense. Then three phases yeah. for for a main villain. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. 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 All right, Fitzy. Well, you didn't see that, right? I just want to make sure. No, but like how. What is Ant Man in like the popularity rankings of like the current, you know, Avengers? Because he'd be like like top three, surely. Oh, would he? I don't know. Honestly, I mean, probably because like yeah. Spider Man number one, and then Spider Man, Thor, Ant Man, probably. Spider Man, mm. oh Thor, right? Yeah, I forgot about Thor. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, because I feel like Ant Man. I mean, when his first film came out, it was sort of he was. He was like also just sort of there, not in a bad yeah, way, yeah. but because like, there were so many other solo films at the time, yeah, 
Yeah, but now you don't have Black Widow, you don't have Iron Man, and Captain America is kind of like he stepped yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, Ant Man was one of the originals. He was, he was in the OG Avengers in the comics. You know, he's getting his time in the starlight now, uh, somewhat. Yeah, yeah. Moonlight, mm-hmm. uh, spotlight, spotlight. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I think all three. You just named three film titles. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, let's talk about some real cinema, Fitzy. Let's talk about what 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 was this Succession trailer that you just saw? Uh, yeah, it presented like an interesting. Like, uh, season four is going to be great because it, it presented like an interesting opportunity that hasn't really been, that was only explored, an interesting dynamic that's only been explored in like the end of season three, which like, which is like a group teaming up together, you know? Oh, you're being non, right. you're being non-spoiler vague. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. But it's like, we've never really actually seen this team together, um, and it's like that. It's the the trailer's giving off the vibe that the whole season's going to be like that, and that that is like awesome mm. because we've never seen that unity, you know. Yeah. Um, and we're also going to get like a more clear, like two sided battle because now you have yeah you have like a clear division. You have you know Tom and Greg on one side, um, so that's uh, going to be great. It looks great. Hell yeah, dude! Oh, that's going to be a fun conflict. Is Alexander Skarsgård in the trailer? That's all I need to know. Oh, but, oh, uh, damn. I need yeah, more of him, dude. I know. He's so good. God damn. God damn. I must say, though, like with the – coming into season three, right, like the – I didn't, I wasn't obviously there for the trailers and the pre-build up to it, but like there was a very clear conflict heading into that season as well as to what – where the positioning of the characters and where they're at, right? And – who's going to be taking on who, you know what I mean? At the start of season three. Yeah, I think you're right. I can't really remember exactly, but yeah. So, but, but by the end of season three, it, it, that isn't really what it became. So I'm wondering if the season four is going to like start that way and evolve into something else, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I think the start of season three is more like vague though. I don't know, it is. No, I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I don't know. Yeah, you don't know who's, like, with Logan or not um, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. The lines are cl- more clearly drawn this time, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it seems like the most clear, like, yeah, two-sided battle kind of thing that the show's ever, like, gave us. Um, yeah. Which I think is cool. I think that's kind of what the show's been building to, like, it, anyway. Um, it's epic. There was a shot where they all had sunglasses on, they're walking, <laughs> you know, probably speaking their business speak. Yeah, That's yeah, what I yeah. want to say. Yeah. And I'm happy that it's, uh, you know, spring of next year, which is, yeah, which is, I guess, the first half of the year. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. Love it. Love it. What kind of dialogue would they be saying? They'd be saying, like, we've lost it. We've lost our shares in the holding company. But we can get st- we can still get venture capital support like that'd be all the kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would be. God damn, I'm excited. I need, I feel like I'm going to rewatch the whole thing before as well. All right, now it's time for our highlights of the week. Jaden, what have you been watching? I watched last night in Soho. Finally, finally got around to it. I think it's my last Edgar Wright film I need to watch. Um, oh, wow. 
Um, and I thought, I thought it was fantastic. I, I thought it was really brilliant. I think the third act falls apart a bit just because it becomes too... I think it becomes a bit too much, a bit too overwhelming, a bit too much for both the character and the audience. Um, but I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. I thought the aesthetic and the, the styling is brilliant. I think Edgar's capturing of the sixties is, it, it, you can tell it's like, I think whenever Edgar does something, you can tell it's a real passion piece and he's got a real heart for it. Um, and like seeing his, his appreciation of the sixties and, and in his kind of de- depiction of it in those, you know, dream sequences is, is really awesome. Um, I think, Thomas and Mackenzie does a fantastic job as usual um, as his lead. Um, I think she is really fantastic and definitely like the highlight of the cast. Um, I love the twists and the turns. I love the callback to like the the, the classic, you know, Italian uh, jalas, you know, like the kind of the latex and the and the blood and just everything and the neon. Um, I think it's fantastic. Um, it's everything that I thought it would be, everything it promised to be. Um, yeah, I think it is really, just really brilliant. Um, and you know what a guy Matt Smith is. You know, his word is just. I just you know just if you can be a person, you know, you'd, you'd choose to be Matt Smith, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> really, dude, definitely not. I'm just gonna put it into three. I'm just, I'm gonna I'm gonna deliver three. Three points, and you'll change your mind. Okay. Actually, I, I can give four even. Made out with Jenna Coleman and Doctor Who. Makes out with Thomas McKenzie in this. Makes out with Anya, Anya Taylor Joy in oh, this. Okay, I see and makes out with Millie Alcock in in that's what in House of the Dragon. I mean, oh, okay. and, and hang on, makes out with Claire Foy in the Crown. Even more. <laughs> like he's just isn't everyone like every single one of those instances? There's like a p- bad power dynamic though. That's actually totally valid. <laughs> it's like every every single one of those moments relies on some kind of creepy like not mechanism. in Doctor Who. Doctor Who's the best one, and the uh, no, Doctor but he's like a thousand important. years old, so it's like weird. <laughs> oh yeah, but not really. <laughs> oh yeah, but not really. I mean. Like it's like, it's like saying you know you're yeah nah. Oh my god! Something tells Anything, me she's just... the one in Doctor Who. She's the one that forces it on him. He was just grooming her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, actually, kind of who was, to be honest, yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something tells me this won't be the end of this, either Matt Smith simping or Matt Smith uh, discussion. No. Over, oh, over yeah. the next right. week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Fitzy, what have you been watching? Well, I did finish House of Dragon, but can't talk about that. Um, all right, I didn't watch any movies. I watched... Um, I watched, you know, Carson Runquist, the guy in Letterbox, but the very popular. The annoying dude whose things are always popular, even though they're shit. Yeah. Um, I watched the sh- the short film he made, Dirtbag. Um, if that counts, that was okay. That was uh, that was actually pretty funny because I've seen his other short films, and they're kind of whatever. But this was his first like major thing, imaging kind of big production. Um. And yeah, it's like the guy. It's pretty funny uh, premise. Like the guy's trying to get rid of a bag of dirt, but he doesn't want to like throw it in the trash. He wants to put it somewhere respectful. But then he keeps like not finding a place. Um, people keep rejecting him from like being able to put it anywhere. Um, so I think yeah, the premise is really like paid off in like surreal kind of stupid comedy. Um, I felt like it was a bit. I mean, you can't make this too long because it's kind of absurd, but 
I feel like it needed like a little bit more. Like it was a bit short. It needed like a little just extra minute or something. But it was a good short film. The main actor was pretty funny. So like this rugged guy, rugged uh, kind of yeah, messed up guy. How yeah. is it? Is it like a short short film or is it like a thirty minute short film? It's like ten minutes or something. Oh, okay. Fourteen minutes. Yeah. Would you describe that as a short, short film or a short film? Medium. medium that, that, that's a healthy length for a short film, you know. Yeah, healthy yeah. short film. Yeah. Like, yeah. like once you once you start breaching thirty minutes, I'm like, this is actually, like this is a this is yeah. A, this that's what I didn't want to happen, but I think it just needed like a little bit of short. But mm. it was like an actual good short film, you know. Like it was mm. a really, really good short film. And I wasn't expecting him to make a good short. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, <laughs> because like these other ones were. Uh, these other ones were just like mini projects, so you can't really tell the quality from that. But you know, still kind of unexpected, uh, good product that came out. So yeah, cool. Speaking of short films, healthy short films of that length, I watched six of them, and they were called Tales of the Jedi. And um, I, I already I feel like I got some thoughts there with Jade via text already, but um, oh, I loved it. I totally loved it. Like, um, it was. I feel like I made, did I make this comparison when, when we talked about the trail? I don't know. But for me, it's like, I don't know. It's like visions for me, basically. It's like you take, I didn't really like visions. Like you take visions and it's like, you make it canon. Okay. You make it Clone Wars animation style. Okay. Day, written by Dave Filoni. Fuck, you got me. And and that's exactly, and it like totally lived up to that. Like that's exactly what it was. And it's, yeah, it's just everything I could have hoped from it, really. Um, I mean, they're all, Different, but thematically consistent as well. I love how they feel. Like each one feels distinct, but like it builds to sort of a grander identity overall. If that makes sense, it's not like visions where you literally just—they may as well have been. I don't know they could have been released years apart for all I know. You know what I mean? It does feel like it's a bit more cohesive in that way. Um, and there were some st- oh standout moments for any like hardcore Star Wars fans into the canon into the world like some standout things that do what the best star wars does which is some moments that are going to make me look at other star wars i've seen for years in a whole new way every time i see it now in the future and that's like that's like the best compliment i can give to new star wars at this point and it totally does that there are there's probably like five examples of things that the show does where it's like damn i'm never going to rewatch that scene in that movie the same way you know that happens a bunch um, oh yeah, like the, in in that, that third Dooku episode, is, is that the one? Like, because like, I feel like it happens like four times in that episode alone. So, Fitzy, are you okay for us to spoil it? I don't know. It's um, not. We're, we're not going to spoil. Like, it won't spoil other things. It's just going to. It spoils within itself, basically. Well, I can't want to watch this now. Now that you've spoken up, but I can just mute it or something. I'll just like mute your volume or some shit. You sure? <laughs> and then I can like, just not. Just we can, we can like just a- not do it. No, it's fine. You obviously want to talk okay. about it. Right, do, right. do you like a thumbs up when you're done? Okay, we'll do a thumbs up. We'll, we'll both do a thumbs up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, the, the third Dooku episode, you mean... Um, so, okay, I feel like there's a ton. Well, what specifically are you talking about? Well, so we see him erase Kamino from the archives. We see him meeting with Palpatine much later on. We see his doubt emerge most clearly there when Qui-Gon is talking to him about like you know seeing the Sith Lord and whatever and like the the council is kind of ignoring him we see that he really cares about Qui-Gon is the other thing um which is really awesome I love um we said that in the earlier episode as well um 
yeah, we see we see him kill Yaddle, which is phenomenal. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought Yaddle was fantastic as well. By the way, like you know, for such a background throwaway character for years, you know, I thought I thought she was great in this. Um, Didn't speak weird. No, exactly. Yeah, that was that was the other thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just had a speech impediment this whole time. Yeah, um, specifically mentioning like you know the clone army and Cyphodius as well. You know, I, I think that episode was loaded, and I think it was probably my favorite episode of the, of the bunch. Hmm. Yeah. No. Totally. Dude. Dude. Kevin Carter's score. Like, come on. I, I was. I was. Think, I was thinking. <laughs> it was about like next well, level because I'm like, it's not because like I remember we were talking a while ago about like. Um, if you don't get, I think we're talking about like scoring like the live action. Oh, we're talking about scoring the, the Ahsoka series. You know, we're talking about who do you get? And I'm like, oh, well, Kevin is that kind of like you know the default answer. But I'm like, does Kevin do a style of sound, or has his kind of scores matured past that? You know, because hmm. they don't sound like John Williams' Star Wars. You know that it it doesn't sound like Kevin kind of to me doesn't have the Star Wars sound that Disney would want to be pushing in their main pro- in their mainstream products. I think it's brilliant. I think it's fantastic. And I love how it's evolved in like these over these seasons and to the point where it's at in season seven of Clone Wars and in now this Tales of the Jedi where like it's it's awesome. It's Star Wars to me and it's Star Wars to a lot of people for right. the Clone Wars, but it's not Star Wars for the majority, you know? Um but yeah, I think yeah, Kevin yeah, Kevin does fantastic. Yeah. Dude, that synth as they as Dooku and Yaddle are flying to uh to the Palpatine's uh, creepy building. Oh my yeah. god, ruptured my soul. It's crazy. Yeah, I love how Palpatine's oh, really yeah. creepy building downtown, by the way, and just doesn't get discovered. Like, I know <laughs> that whole thing's weird. It's just funny though. Yeah, Ian McDermott was like, I feel like he always comes back for Palpatine, or most of the time comes back a lot for Palpatine, and like it's always great to see him because he's Ian McDermott and he's fun. But like, I thought his vocal performance was like like even more than I could have expected from him. Like, it was stand out, if that makes sense. Like, it was – some of his line delivery was, like, super sinister. It was like, oh. I mean, beyond just, like, him doing his regular, like, oh, yes. Like, it was, like, <laughs> actually, like, sort of, like, oh, like, scary. Um, yeah, well, what was your favourite episode? I'll ask that. I think the first one with Dooku or the third one with Dooku? Like, like it's, like, episode two or episode four were probably my two strongest ones. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think the Ahsoka stuff was cool, but it's like I was saying in the text, like it's 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 not as meaty as I would have liked. Um, I think seeing that kind of background, I would I, I think it would have been great to cap the episode with Plo Koon actually picking her up, because um, like that's obviously like we get a bit we, we we get told that in Clone Wars and we see like a flashback. I think of it, so I, I think it would have been great to just cap that episode off with you know Plo Koon flying in, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the the, the 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 later two episodes just felt like there wasn't enough for me personally. Um, yeah, it felt okay. all very quick and kind of moving. I get it's tales, you know, of the Jedi, and it's just meant to be short stories. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, those those two Dooku ones were. I mean, all the Dooku stuff was stand out for sure. I, 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 I mean. F- I generally agree with you with episode six, but I just thought it was re- like the whole opening of episode six was awesome. Like Ahsoka being Padme's oh, funeral was yeah, really yeah. nice. Like I thought that that was one of those moments where it's like, damn, I'm going to render the Sith Ahsoka's there. That's awesome. But um, like episode, I thought episode five was like phenomenal for me. Like the way in which it adds this layer of Ahsoka's been training and it can essentially have trained Ahsoka to survive Order 66 for years. Oh, well, actually, like, yeah, that's, that's yeah, incredible. Right. That is, yeah, because like, that, that adds level to, like, the, the Season 7 scene where she's on the console 
blocking all their blades in a circle. Hundred percent. Yeah. Hundred. So, that's so, exactly what it is. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Your that 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 was brilliant. Yeah. Okay. But I thought that was like I thought it was super clever, and it's and it's also like you said in the text. The other element that I thought was really well done in that episode was its use of time and how it really cleverly uses one of the more underrated aspects of Clone Wars, which is I think how um, how the character models change over time, how the outfits change over time, mm. and how it really cleverly used that to just instantly tell the audience how far we've jumped in time right now in this one cut. And how effective that was storytelling-wise, where I'm like, holy shit, like, you, you feel the progression of Ahsoka, like, sort of, you feel like seven seasons worth of progression that you've seen in the other show, like, immediately in t- in two minutes, just through the visual storytelling of it. So, like, I thought that was great. Yeah, yeah, Anything else before we ring Fitzy back? I don't know. Um, no, I don't know. I just, I just love seeing a bit more of the political turmoil, especially in the Dooku arcs. Um of like senator corruptions and stuff i think it's always been one of the better aspects of clone wars you know seeing mm. corruption and shit like that so i thought that i thought i thought it was nice seeing like a little despondent village that's been you know fucked over you know yeah yeah, yeah. how dooku responds to it versus qui-gon mm. th- th- that brings up that whole that episode brings up a lot of really delves into the ca- that's a great character study actually of like because Qui-Gon is very much against the council as well as Dooku is, but it's sort of how they how they're different and how they in how they are different and how they both uh, challenge the views of the Jedi traditionally, but why Dooku turns to the dark side and Qui-Gon doesn't. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, I think it was also yeah. super super sad when Dooku was reflecting um, on Qui-Gon's death at the tree on the, at the Jedi Temple. That was really nice. Yeah, and he's talking about he was born here, so he doesn't. He, so like he was fascinated by this green. Like, at least he got to die, you know, in a, in a, having seen lots of green, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. I think Fitzy's, should we just, like, keep dragging it out longer? <laughs> <laughs> Are we back? Uh, is, is he still muted? He's muted, I think, yeah. I was muted. Uh, I knew you were dragging it out then. I could, like... <laughs> I was reading your facial expressions. I knew exactly when you were done talking. I was like, I was trying to look for you that whole time. I was a little gl- glimpse into like the deaf experience. I only heard like, I only got words from Zach's mouth. He's more expressive. I, don't, I got hole and seven. That's what I got. I had two words. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. When yeah, did I say seven? Oh, to season seven. Like I, don't know, seven I think he like, seven. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That. <laughs> oh, I said, yeah, whole se- whole se- uh, seven seasons worth of, that's what I said. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good job. But, but um, yeah, I want to watch this in Andor, I think. Because, like. Um, oh, yeah, Andor this week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because uh, I, like, I think I watched one season of Mandalorian. I don't think I'll continue that. Maybe. And then, you know, Clone Wars, I'll, like, watch in, like, one day. But these two yeah. I'll definitely watch in the holidays. Yeah. So, oh, I saw that. Sorry, I, I, no, I, yeah. I saw someone stick it all together. It is six days worth of content, um, all of Star Wars visual canon at the moment, like audio visual canon um, stuff, like all oh, of TV. Is like actually, like days. six days. Yeah, one hundred forty-four hours, six days. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It's going to double in the next two years. So uh, um, you know, <laughs> you've got that to look forward to, Liam. If you want, if you think you can watch all the Clone Wars in one day, <laughs> Resistance. Yeah. Um. I think no. I think I think you'd really like Andor Fitzy, but um, well, that was one thing I did want to ask you as well, Jay. And while we got Fitzy here as well, is like I I don't know if Tales of the Jedi is a good is a 
good thing for to, for someone who hasn't seen all the other stuff to watch. Like, I feel like it was so great for me because I'm so immersed in the world. I don't know what it's going to do for less hardcore people. Like I wouldn't, I would never recommend this to a new fan or anything. You know, not that Fitzy's a new fan, but you, you know what I mean. No, I think it's valid because it fills out the story and it fills out episode one. So, like, I think the Dooku stuff will be you'll be able to touch base with. But the Ahsoka stuff, you probably won't be able to. How much of Clone Wars? Have you right. seen some of Clone Wars, right, Lou? Um, I've seen some of season one, I think. Yeah, you might be able to touch base a little bit, but not. Actually, no. Actually, no. Don't don't watch it. No. Don't. 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 Yeah. <laughs> so, so, no. So, so, see, episode five will, episode five will just completely go over your head. And episode and episode six will just be like episode six will just be a spoiler. Yeah. Okay. And watch then, one through four and then leave it alone. You can you can watch episodes one through four, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And they're oh, yeah. they're awesome. Yeah. I mean Andor is what I'm like most like looking forward to because like yeah, everyone on Twitter is saying it's good. So yeah. The Twitterverse, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah, no, I think I, I do think you'd like Andor for sure. Yeah. Now comes the segment where we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week we asked you, what is your favourite instance of a musician acting on screen? You know, TV, film, whatever it is. Um, what do we got here? Now, Andy submitted two answers. I don't know, like, am I, am I, do I have to pick one? Do I? Um, oh, was the first one sort of a joke with Andy Lau, you know? Yeah, yeah, skip that one. Okay, so Andy says Andy Lau, not really. You have to join the Discord to get that exclusive content. But... um. And he is, his real answer here is, um, this is an odd answer, especially because I've spent ages trying to find a good performance to come from a musician. But my answer is Ice Cube in both 21 and 22 Jump Street. Uh, okay, spoilers incoming, by the way. That scene in 22 Jump Street where he finds out Jonah Hill has been fucking his daughter was hysterical. It really, it really was. I get that there are so many seriously great performances from musicians, but I'm sure they spent so many hours and lessons on being able to act really well in serious films. If you compare them to Ice Cube, he makes it look so effortless because he's already possessed a cool natural screen presence as a comedic actor. Makes it seem like he do- he doesn't uh, need any lessons. He just rocks up and does his shit anyway. Uh, does his shit very well. So yeah, that's my answer. Okay, I don't actually care if musicians act well in films. Andy, this is a top-tier answer, and I'm really upset that you got in there first with it because I love Ice Cube and those movies. I think it's hilarious. Um, yeah, it was great. Luke said, Huey Lewis in Back to the Future. Don't know who that is. Is he the dude playing the guitar on stage, I guess? Or like play one of the band dudes on stage at the end of that well, film? I don't know. I, I, like, it's like, I, I, I don't know where he appears in that film at all. Because I don't know what he looks like. I only know Huey Lewis from American Psycho, obviously, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, is he who Patrick Bateman plays on the stereo? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like, I, I don't know where he appears in Back to the Future. I could only think of that band scene as, like, uh, I remembered musicians were there, so I guess that would sort of contextually make sense. But I don't know. Luke came in with an answer we were confused by. Sorry, Luke. Andy came in with a S tier answer. So, what are our answers, Fitzy? What are you thinking? Um. Well, I shall look at some. Um. I want to say, uh, Lady Gaga in, um, what's it? 
Hasse Gutsy is um pretty good. But Justin so Jamie Foxx I like I was thinking of, I always thought of him as an actor. I didn't know he was a singer. Um because yeah. he's he just yeah, that's, yeah. He he's got a really good voice. Like I heard him singing on like a radio interview. But he's, he also was like in Gold Digger and stuff. Um I don't know many of his other songs. But Justin Timberlake is one I found. Justin Timberlake in the social network. That is an amazing performance. That is one of the best performances I've ever seen as like, you know, um, a smug kind of tech guy. Um, it's really great. You're like, he's such a dick in that movie, dude. He just fucks over Andrew Garfield the entire time. It's like, it's a great, like, and, like villainous, like, performance. Um, so I'd probably say that. Um, but Jamie Foxx like, is pretty amazing as well, you know, in Collateral and stuff. Um, mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Jamie Foxx. But you bring up an interesting dilemma. There were a lot more options than I actually th- even could think of by myself. And, um, th- yeah, there is this interesting line of, like, there were people popping up where I'm like, yeah, but I'd mainly think of them as an actor first. Like, I don't know. Like, does Marky Mark count? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know he was like a... Uh, musician. Like, was he a like, or something? The other thing is Haley Steinfeld, yeah. who has like a pretty successful right. career in both yeah. acting and singing. Like, yeah, you know, that's hard. You kind of, yeah. Mm. Like, you know, I can see a case to be made. We can make the argument if we like, but I feel like, generally speaking, the question was in the spirit of like, musician first has yeah, been yeah. in a couple of things, you know. Um. So, yeah, with that in mind, I also had Justin Timberlake as a potential, but, um, I gotta go to I gotta go to Lady Gaga and a Star was a Star is Born. Oh, Vince you already brought up Lady Gaga for a different film, but um I don't know, like she's starting to creep more into these things. She's gonna be in Joker, that sequel. So uh but the, the yeah, this movie, I thought she was great. She was terrific. She feels that uh I mean she basically like plays like a version of herself, you know what I mean? Um so that helps, I guess. But uh no, it really works for me. I think that movie is quite emotional actually, so you gotta give credit to the lead performances there and Bradley Cooper's a great He's great. He's a great. He directed the film as well. So yeah, no, that's my answer. What about you, Jaden? Um, well, my answer's no longer counted because we've just talked about how it's not in the spirit of the question. But my well, answer was going to be Idris Elba as Luther. Um, in hmm. in, 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 in Luther, um, it's just 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 great. You know, just just five seasons of just you know him as his hard ass detective in, in in London, just banging. Um, but since it kind of goes against the spirit of the question. I will say uh, Scott Muscutty, aka uh, Kid Cuddy in uh, X. Um, oh yeah, yeah. So uh, that was another one I, th- I found and thought, oh yeah, I quite liked him as a. Hey, we're also yeah that's a reference to the future. Mm. That's not a. I-, I thought you might say Harry Styles in Dunkirk. Well, that's the other thing. I was like, I was like, I thought Harry. I think Harry Styles was really great in Dunkirk. Like, I ge- like genuinely. But then, like, as I was thinking about it, I was like. Um, I've, I've seen some things recently about like, you know, like, um, about like, you know, people talking about his like performance in like, don't worry, darling. And like, they're like, oh, I finally understand why Chris Nolan just told that guy to shut up in, in Dunkirk or whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so is the reason he has no, he has very little lines because he's actually a shit actor and is he actually not that good? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. I guess we'll see. So that's why I didn't choose Harry, but yeah, um, Scott Muscotty. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You'd have to judge for yourself, I guess. Yeah, that's I mean, hilarious. The other major one is Eminem in uh, 8 Mile. True, 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 true. Yeah, 
Yeah. I don't really like that movie. I mean, it's okay, but. Yeah. I mean, the movie's okay, but his performance is pretty good. For yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, the best thing to come out of that movie is that song. You know. Did it come from that? Maybe it was already yeah. existent. Yeah. yeah, it's a banger. All right. Very, very good. As always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film, or in this case, television program. Yeah, in the YouTube comment section, send us a DM on Instagram or join the Discord server. This week, we're asking you, what? Or I guess who? I don't know. Like, do we want to, how generous do we want to be to oh. dragons as life forms? You know? <laughs> What is the best dragon? I think you, I think I, I think oh I think you need to give a who. Yeah, I think a who is who, okay. Necessary. Who is the best dragon? Yeah, let us know across all media. That's tricky because there's like you know different types of dragons, different you know d- depending on the world, different intelligence level of dragons. Like in Skyrim, the dragons just straight up speak. You know what I mean? They speak English. So <laughs> well, that's that's definitely a who. But then like. How far backwards do we go from there? I don't know. But, uh, yeah, let us know. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Fitzy, what are we doing next week, and what's up with all the dragon talk? Well, we're doing a TV series, which we haven't done in a while. We've done, like, three or four, haven't we? Um, but, yeah, we're doing – yeah, maybe five. We're doing House of the Dragon, the Targaryen Game of Thrones show. Uh which is on Foxtel or Binge, if you have Binge. As it's always advertised um, to be on Binge. So if you have Binge. Yeah, that's binge. right. Um, is Binge a sub comp- like a sub-company of Foxtel, right? It's the, it's just their streaming app, yeah. Right. So they decided to sort of separate the branding, yeah. Okay. Really? Because, like, I have Foxtel. And yeah, I think you have to pay for Binge on top of Foxtel. Like, it's not... Yeah, they're different products. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, the it's the same company. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. why like they share so many of their shows, right? They share all their shows, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And like yeah. binge gets like the HBO stuff. Yeah. It's funny though, they, 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 they really push binge as being the thing. Like all the ads only say it's on binge, you know? Mm. That's obviously a choice on their part. Anyway, that's weird because like, you can just. <laughs> yeah, because you can stream everything from Fox Channel, so I don't really get it. I yeah, mean, people that don't want to pay, you know, a hundred dollars or three, you know, packages on Foxtel a month, you know. Yeah, I think they wanted to because what they well what they did for a while was they had Foxtel Now, um, which I think technically still exists, but um, like they would say, oh, you know, you can subscribe to Foxtel Now for like for whatever the binge pricing structure is, but they just wanted to create the separation because I think their concern was that when people hear Foxtel, like, oh, I have to sign up and get the box. Like, I think they wanted to clearly distinguish that this is only a streaming service and if we, if it's got Foxtel in the name, then it would confuse people. That's, I should right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have Foxtel now. Okay. Right. Um, but, yeah, get hyped, right? How's the dragon? <laughs> it's going to be I'm huge. Excited. But all my notes are ready, dude. I've done some studying. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. I've got six episodes to watch by next week. Oh, shit. Hey, but you did suggest to watch it, didn't you? To review oh, yeah, it, didn't I'll, you? Don't worry. Like, I'll, yeah, I'll smash it out. Yeah, I'll be fine. Okay, that, that, as long, if you Because you suggested it, I, I don't. That's yeah. fine. I don't care. You know, it's fine. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have a three-hour-long discussion. Get hyped for that. All right. Mm. That's it for this week's episode. Once again, 
Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Liam and Jaden, for joining me. As always, we'll see everyone next week. Have a great rest of your day or whatever, and goodbye.